And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The only podcast you need for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends, technologies, and strategies used to achieve massive growth and 10x businesses. I'll be sitting down with sales, marketing, and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them, dispel myths, and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Welcome to Sales vs. Marketing. It's your host, Scott, here, and I'm super excited to be sitting down with the CEO of MegaMad Websites and Marketing, Mark DeGrasse. Mark is a serial entrepreneur. He exited his first company. Uh, he's successfully building a second company now. He's released several magazines. He has authored a book on conventional marketing. Uh, he is a longtime and tenured content marketer. Uh, he focuses on messaging, on brand, and on getting things out there and just creating some noise for companies. So I'm going to let Mark take it away. We're going to speak a little bit about uh, his past, his history, and his experience, what's led him to where he is today. Then we're going to go into a little bit about what his company is doing. And lastly, we'll follow up with a little bit of his thoughts on the current marketing uh, and sales landscape and what methodology best practices and insights uh, he's seen over his his uh, long and obviously very successful career. So go ahead, Mark. Give us a little bit of a rundown of who you are. Sure. Uh, let's see. My, I kind of started in content marketing back in 2008, I want to say. I had a gym in, in Orange County, uh, and I was actually interested in, in getting online. So I, found I needed something to sell, and I had recently got back in shape, so I got into the fitness industry uh, with a friend at the time. And we started selling equipment online. We were one of the first marketers of kettlebells um, back you know, a million years ago. Uh, <laughs> so we yeah. needed a marketing method, and I didn't want to spend a bunch of money. I wanted to do it organically. So I found that the uh, a magazine actually made sense in terms of uh, creating content and then also gain as much advertising as I want because I'd be the owner of the magazine. So uh, we made a magazine, uh, started publishing back in 2010, I want to say, and eventually I sold the magazine to Onnit Labs uh, here in Austin. Uh, I think that was 2014. I worked for them for about a year, uh, created their content base, and then I left, uh, wrote a book about the process called Unconventional Marketing for Fitness Professionals, 
and started uh, basically implementing the system that I came up with for content marketing for other businesses. So since then, we've created about uh, 200 uh, websites and brands for other businesses. And now I really try to educate my clients on the process of growing uh, you know, their own communities online organically. Uh, and then I also have a new magazine called uh, Womo. Um, I'm a really big believer in uh, practicing what you preach. And so if I'm trying to educate other people, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it if I wasn't doing what I talk about. Myself. That's good. <laughs> no, that's smart. And that's, I think that's something that uh, not everybody takes to heart. So I think that's uh, admirable for sure. Um, when, when you were building up, when you were building up your, your initial, your business, like, were you, were you fresh into marketing? Did you have any background? Were you just somebody who, who wanted to start a business and this is the best way that he, that he thought that he should do it? Like, how did you, how did you come to this idea that content, because content marketing is obviously very popular now. Um, yeah. you, you spoke about this in 2008 and obviously content marketing was not a new thing in 2008, but I don't think it was as prolific as it is now um, across like social and all the different media outlets that you can push stuff out to. Uh, so how did you, how did you sort of, learn this or, or enable yourself to do this and obviously be successful? Uh, let's see. I am an introvert. So uh, my goal of getting everything online was so I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. And I became a designer and a content developer when I should have become a programmer. Yeah. <laughs> but that's in the past now, and this, this is what I do. Uh, so I was basically trying to find out how I could not have to interact with people offline. Um, so I started publishing content online. I'm like, oh, that'll be my, my interaction. Uh, so uh, I got into fitness. And fitness, I like the industry itself because there's so much content that you can create. Um, so just in terms of raw information, you have exercises, workouts, workout plans, diet plans, uh, you know, recipes, tips. Uh, I mean, it's just unlimited. And on top of that, uh, you know, all the studies actually contradict each other on what works and what doesn't work. So you could say anything you want and you'll have justification for it. Now, I'm not saying write a bunch of bad content, but it's, uh, you know, it's not like a financial market where you it's have. Not, it's not a polished, regulated industry. Every, exactly. It's really, it is kind of a wild west when it comes to what works and what doesn't. And you see that with all the different supplements and, and programs and everything out there, I guess. So Exactly. Well, and it's not restricted. Like if you go into real estate or financial markets, you know, you have legal restrictions, things you can and can't say. And there's none of that in fitness. It is. It's just the wild west. So you could write unlimited amounts of content. And uh, what I found was that you have to write unlimited amounts of content, because if you're not answering a question, then people or your potential customers are getting the answer somewhere else. So it's a it's actually a requirement of being an online brand that you have to answer every single question. So that's kind of how I got into to that. And then uh, what I realized was that you had a lot of uh, fitness professionals that had tons of education, tons of content that they didn't know how to get out. So I found that if I could partner with them, then they could provide the content, I could promote the content and publish it in a way that people could find it. Then they get exposure for this, their business. I get the traffic. You know, it's a good, um, you know, cross promotional relationship. Yeah, it's like you're just tapping into a massive niche market that has huge potential, and and it's not. It's just a lot of people aren't doing it properly. I guess if you know, you have the big gyms and like the the, the name brands, but I think that a lot of the independents may not may not be as successful at doing like what what you're saying, right? Like then there's some yeah. yeah. Well, and what you have with the big boxes is, is you have marketing teams creating the content. So you have people who 
one probably don't know as much as your average trainer and yeah. two they don't care <laughs> you know and that's that's something i try to to convince everybody of that even if you can do something if you don't care about it that's eventually going to resonate in your content so you can't fake it or you could fake it maybe for a little bit but in the long run people realize how genuine you are or aren't and then that's going to hurt whatever effort you made in the past mm-hmm. so in order that's to, a really that's a, that's a really valid point that's strong yeah yeah, I mean, people, you know, get the whole fake it till you make it, but it's like, why? Why fake it? <laughs> you know, life is a lot longer than people realize, and why would you waste a bunch of time doing something that you don't care about, you know? And, you know, and just not doing survive, it authentically, yeah. Yeah, 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 well, and people, like I said, start to realize that. So even if you can make money and you could uh, make it work, eventually it's going to fail, so... You know, it's it's kind of, it's my argument against uh, worrying about people stealing your content too, or stealing your concepts and ideas. It it just doesn't matter because the amount of time and effort it's going to take to make any concept succeed uh, is prohibitive for somebody stealing it because they're not, they don't care about it. They didn't come up with it, so mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like you just got to put your head down and just work. And incredibly <laughs> hard and, and if you if you persevere if you do it if you love it if you're passionate then yeah and not just that because you can be passionate about something and not act on it so you know I, i'm writing a new book it's gonna be called omg just go uh, because i i've met so many entrepreneurs and and people who are so passionate about what they do but they are so afraid of publishing content that they do nothing so mm-hmm. They're the best at what they do, but nobody knows about it. And at the end of the day, if nobody knows about it, who cares? You're not you're not making a difference. You're not affecting anybody. So, what are you doing? And in the meantime, you might have some jerk off who doesn't really care, but is willing to put the work in. And now everybody is exposed to a bunch of bad information, and it's your fault because you didn't publish the good information. So, and how do you how do you how do you break people? Because I'm assuming part of your job, if you're dealing with these small businesses that are trying to, or you're trying to get them to understand the value of putting themselves out there and and putting this content out there, how do you get them to make that jump from nothing to starting? Ah, uh, guilt and harassment. <laughs> it's a. Uh... That's kind of what I do. <laughs> I try to say, well, I try to give them the tools to do it. I say, yeah. hey, you know, you need to do it. Here's how to do it. And I give them, you know, custom tutorials to say, here's exactly what to do. And I try to get them started. So with the brands we develop, it's specifically built to be uh, unifying their social media, ex- uh, you know, uh, tasks along with their email marketing tasks, along with their website development tasks, which is all combined into one uh, system essentially. Uh, and then what we do is we create the graphics, we'll create the, the video projects and then we'll show them how to do these things. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's up to them to, to make the effort. And I probably have, I want to say 20% of my clients, um, will make the effort and their businesses will grow and it'll work. It's just that the problem is that it's not, the process is, slow and boring mm-hmm. for the most part because you'll do all this work and and people get so excited about making the brand they'll be like oh i got my new logo got my business card got my new website oh, i'm so excited and then after that is just the, i call it the doldrums where it's just you just hustle you just do the work and yeah. then six months from now 
you'll start realizing, oh my gosh, people, this is resonating. I'm growing. And, you know, and so I, I tend to compare fitness and marketing the same way where it's like, you got the best plan ever, but if you don't go to the gym mm-hmm. and you don't eat the right food, it's just doesn't matter. Everybody's it's, excited in January, but then uh, <laughs> yeah, a month just, later, uh, nobody wants to go to the gym anymore. It's the same thing. So if you're not, if you're not consistent, obviously, you don't see the results because well, you could get awesome results. Everybody knows somebody who's like, oh, my gosh, they started the, the keto diet plan. And 30 days later, they lost all this weight. They look great. And then 60 days later, it, they're back to normal. <laughs> and so even if yeah. you get results, you know, that, that it's it's like success. It's like everybody thinks success is, oh, I sold my company to whatever. And now I'm a success. And it's like now success is just a series of events. Yeah. Yeah. that continue forever. So you got to get the uh, I made it out of your mind because nobody's made it. You could have, you know, you see people on Shark Tank where it's like, oh, they got the deal. They're going to be successful. And then you wait a year and you look back at those people. You're like, what What the hell happened? This, they yeah. got the deal. <laughs> Why aren't they a success? Yeah. And it's like, no, that's like the start. <laughs> and now you get to do the actual work and then go through massive failures and keep on going, you know? And, and how did you, cause that's, that's something, yes, you're right. Like that's something that you hear from a lot of entrepreneurs uh, who have done it for a while and haven't just given up and like, you've had a success and you've had multiple, you probably had multiple successes, but you, you, you actually built something that was successful. And then now you're, you're sort of like starting again or not just recently, but I guess this thing that you're doing now with Mega Mad and the new book, and you're not working for the company that you sold your your first magazine to anymore. Um, so you're doing it again. So how did you, first of all, how did you continue and how did you find the drive within yourself to continue being successful uh, even though there's so many failures along the way? And then what made you realize like after you were that epitome of success, you wanted to start again. Uh, it was something like this is your passion. You didn't want to just like rest, relax outside of like financial, right? Because like let's assume like, you know, you could have taken the foot off the gas for a bit. What made you want to go right into it again? Uh, well, me, it was just necessary, I would say. I don't know. My wife and I, my wife is the owner of a nonprofit called Special with the Side of Mom. And she was also, she, when I had sold my company, she actually started a new company. It was called Swank Baby. It was like a uh, baby clothing boutique. And she grew it and sold it within nine months. Hmm. And... So we had, you know, we had both done it. You know, we both built these businesses and sold them, and then we realized that we just started again. You know, yeah. there's no stopping. It's kind of like, you know, when you see those, uh, you've probably seen those articles about the Disney movie where it's like, what happens when, you know, after the happily ever after? What what does that yeah. mean? And it doesn't really mean anything. Is what you realize as you start to mature. You're like, there's no stopping. You know, yeah. I've never met. Uh, my my father-in-law, he owns uh, the Jewelry Exchange. Have you ever heard of the Jewelry Exchange? Yeah. yeah. The Jewelry Exchange in Tustin. They have the really annoying commercials. And uh, he's been in business since the 80s, and he has 25 stores. And, he, you know, he's just nonstop. He just doesn't stop going ever. He has, like, unlimited energy. I don't even know how he does it. But he still keeps his business going. That's because you're doing what you love, and uh, it's driving you to keep going. Like, that's the thing I think that people yeah, don't... He doesn't even love it necessarily. <laughs> you know, he's not like all about diamonds and jewels and jewelry. He yeah. like if you ask him like what's your business, he'll say my business is advertising. Yeah. Because he came up with a method of advertising 
that worked. And then he came up with a system and he just kept on doing it. And he, you know, kept on working. And there you go. Very cool. Uh, but what you realize is that there's no stopping. You know, there's no magic income that you're going to get that's going to continue forever. You know, nowadays, if you said to somebody, like, I'll give you a million dollars, nobody would be like, hey, I'm taking the rest of my life off. Nope, not at all. <laughs> no, a million. So I, I'm in Toronto. I don't know what the, the, the prices or the cost of living is in in Austin, but uh, in Toronto, a million bucks doesn't go very far anymore. Oh, so. it doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. Now I could, I don't know, quit my third job. Like, yeah. <laughs> so let's, uh, so let's. Let, I want to talk more about like what you're doing now. So we kind of have like an idea of like where you came from. I want to circle back because I really want to understand you. You this is the you classified as a second company, really that you've built. I'm assuming. Uh yeah yeah, yeah? Well, my main business is uh, brand and, and yeah. website development. So we do, you know, I, I I try to get people started on the path of growing. So we do capabilities and designs that would probably usually cost five to 10 times as much. Um, but I do it in a way that is systematic and allows people to get the, that kind of quality without spending 50 to a hundred thousand on other websites. And what I'm trying to do is, uh, make uh, high end design accessible for small businesses so that they can do the work that actually needs to be done. Because mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, if you talk to small business owners, they think, oh, if I just had the, the sexy website or if I had the sexy branding, like that would just make it take off. And what I try to tell people is that, no, you could have that. And it just doesn't matter because what's going to make your business succeed at the end of the day is you hustling, you talking to people, you trying to sell whatever it is you're trying to sell. It's not about some magic system. There's no magic marketing method or equation that's going to make you successful. It's just you doing more work than the next person. And that's like 99% of it. So so my mission was trying to convince people that and then give them a leg up to uh, skip the five to 10 years of education that I had to get to do what I do and say, hey, I'm just gonna have you skip all this crap that I can do for you quickly so you could worry about talking to people and going out and selling things and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's, that's my, my main business right now is that is, is developing brands and websites and then educating entrepreneurs to keep moving forward. And how did you, after like the first business, how did you build this? How did you build this one? And did you do something different to, to sort of scale it faster than the first time you started your own, your own thing or? Uh, yeah, this one was a lot different because it's mainly built off of networking, uh, personal networking. So what I found was that every you know, if you're trying to compete in website design, you're competing with half the planet. You know, you're competing with all yeah. the people in Asia and all the people in, you know, South. there's just, there's so many there's, websites. There's a lot of people that build websites. Yes. Well, on, on top of that, then you have the, the, oh, I have my son in college and he, you know, yeah. built my website. <laughs> and, oh, I used Wix and he uses, you know, all these things. And you're like, ah, uh, that's. That's yeah, fine. so that's a great point. So, how do you differentiate in uh, in that? It's just personal networking. Uh, yes. Well, that's part of it. and trust. You yeah. know, it's uh, it is a lot of people have been burned. You know, because yeah. yes, I hired my son. He was in college, and then he left, and now my website. I don't know what's going on, and so people people convince themselves, especially older people. You know, fifty plus, they're like, no, I'm I'm just not techie, and so I can't figure this out. And it's like one no one is techie. You know, the, the pace of development for 
online is so fast that there's no expert. You know, it's everybody's kind of just swimming right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so drop the I'm not techie because nobody is. Secondly, you don't have a choice. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I've made I built my business over 30 years and I don't need you know, the online crap. It's like, no, nowadays, if you don't have an online presence, you don't exist. You know, people just automatically assume, oh, I can't find your website. So you're out of business. Right. And you're like, and they might just be like, no, it just never did anything. Um, so, so you literally have to now. And I think the pace of this, uh, kind of change the shift to, to online information is just, you know, getting faster and faster. So businesses have to, um, you mentioned something that was really interesting. Uh, you mentioned that you built your second business through like your personal connections and just trust. And I think that like if you are in brand development, trust is so important. So this is definitely not on the script, but I really hope that you can sort of lend some insight into this. How does a brand that in such a noisy place, like you're saying, like everybody's on the web, obviously, how do they how do they enable themselves to convey trust like through their messaging, just through an online presence? That's hard. Um, I don't, I don't know if you can, you know, well, I, I know how you can, you, you develop massive voluminous content mm-hmm. because, uh, I, I try to tell people that ideally your online presence is turning your website into a resource instead of a brochure. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, if somebody has found your brand, they know that they could go to you instead of Google to get the answer. So if you're, you know, for so edu- me, educate, I'm, you're, you're educating. It's, it's you're, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's content marketing. Yeah. So, yeah. so the only way that you could build the trust that you actually need to make a $10,000 sale by never meeting somebody is going to be by somebody constantly finding you online. So somebody's, Oh, I'm trying to get website design and they keep on typing in questions and they see your website pop up for a lot of your questions, a lot of the questions they have, then they see your marketing after they read your content and mm-hmm. hey, I'll just hire this guy. I've already read his stuff 50 times, listened to his podcast, checked out his YouTube videos, whatever it is. This is the expert. I'm willing to talk to this person now. Uh, but in order to get to that point, you've built up this organic trust by answering their questions 10,000 times. Way, way before they even they, they even speak to you, really. Yeah, it yeah. could be years. Yeah. You know, I have people who contact me for articles that I wrote three or five years ago. Like, hey, I read this article and I've seen you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, I wrote that article a long time ago. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think that's the only way to get around the the personal connect, personal face-to-face in-person connection mm-hmm. is by providing so much content that your expertise is undeniable, even to people who don't know you. Mm-hmm. No, that's, and that's, it's technically yeah. free. <laughs> so... So, so that's a that's a that's a that's a really good point. So, when you're building out um, a strategy for a company to to sort of elaborate and augment their online presence, do you include any portion of paid, or what is without going into like very very specifics? What's your what is your sort of like your go to market for a company that has no online uh, like high level? Like, what should what are the boxes they should check? Well, I, I usually start, there's one thing that you could do that every business should do is create one database of information. So if you're saying, okay, my website's going to be a resource, what list of information can you provide that would be valuable to your potential customers? So for me, it could be a glossary of website terms. What is SEO? What is graphic design? What is, and then I just 
write the list. Maybe, maybe it could just be words, and I could just write a dictionary. And then, okay, this is the basis of my, uh, you know, becoming a resource. And then from there, you're going to write tons of other content. Mm-hmm. You know, once you once you start down the rabbit hole of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer all my customers' questions. Then it opens up to graphics and videos and tutorials. So, yeah, so you're doing the research on what really matters to your customers, and that's like that's where everything that you create is going to stem from these keywords that are important to your market. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll do an SEO analysis and yeah. say, okay, based on where you want to be and uh, you know your target market, here's 700 keyword phrases. Based on the 700 keyword phrases, here's 12 that you should focus on, and of those 12, here's 12 topics that you could write about, and mm-hmm. then. We try to train you how to write the content and then publish it in a way that people can actually find it. Um, and then it's really about growing your, I call it privatizing your following. So instead of trying to push Facebook or push LinkedIn or push YouTube, you're pushing your community uh, through primarily email marketing. Um, the more that, you know, in terms of privatizing your following, you have email marketing, which is the the cheap, easy way. And then you have the uh, portal creation where you're actually becoming the Facebook of whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a long and expensive process. So I usually say just lean on email marketing, just build up a list. If you have a list of, you know, 200,000 opt-in uh, subscribers, you could be making millions of dollars for decades. Yeah. Just, yeah. just on that. You don't even have to do the other complicated stuff. You could just, you know, have your email list, publishing educational content, and then selling related services and products. So for me, if I have 50,000 small business owners, I could be, okay, hey, I'm writing a book. Buy my book. Hey, I'm launching a new service. Sign up for the service, and so on and so forth. What are your What are your thoughts, um, because you're speaking about a business branding themselves, what are your thoughts about individuals, uh, social selling, um, so like the executives uh, or the CEO of the company, do you do work with them to, to replicate efforts on like, build, like building a, a brand around yourself? Uh, not usually. Um, I work with a couple of politicians um, okay. that are, you know, that's very uh, personal branding uh, based. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's small business. Is it like the same? But in your opinion, would it be the same type of strategy if somebody was trying to build like their own personal brand as opposed to a business's brand? Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all the same. You know, you're trying to to, you know, become the expert in a certain space. And so to become the expert and if you don't want your potential customers going somewhere else to get the information, you have to provide all the information. So so usually it's it's the same process. Write a list of your FAQs. What do you get asked the most? Write the answers publish the content like it's it's not complicated it's almost so simple that people don't trust it because mm-hmm. they think like oh no I, I read this book and it's all about the blah blah blah, blah method and it's yeah. like no it's just answer oh, questions see i think <laughs> that i think that marketing marketing gets very convoluted very quickly because of the like the overabundance of resources that aren't so like succinct and to the point like your your method that you go into business is very very clear to understand. It's very easy to understand, but I think that like marketing as a whole, especially for a small business owner, it's like where do you even start? You know? Like, yeah. Um, well, and it's easy. Well, and the problem is that the marketing people don't want you to think like, oh, you just publish the content. They want yeah. to think like, no, oh, you need to do it right, and we are the only ones that can do it right for you. Hire us. Blah 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 blah. Sign up for the twelve month contract that costs tens of thousands of dollars which you're going to be disappointed with at the end of the year, but 
who cares? We just made a hundred thousand dollars, you know, so, go past it. no, that's a, that is a good point. So that brings me to, uh, the next point that I wanted to run by you. What are some of the biggest misconceptions that you deal with in terms of what people understand about what marketing is? I think it's that, uh, you know, in terms of content, it's that if the, if the question has been answered by somebody else, you shouldn't or don't have to answer it yourself. And the fact of the matter is, again, if you're not answering the question, people are going to your competitor. So you, there's no content that you can't produce because you literally have to if you're going to be the expert for your customer base. Uh, number two is that there's some magic system or something that's going to work for your business and if you could just get a hold of that magic system it would work uh and the fact of the matter is it's no it, the only method that's going to work and just like fitness the only method that works is the one that works for you so it's always custom and it's always specific for your business because mm -hmm. your business is unique and you are unique and you know even if something you know like dieting or, or a training method even if that worked i know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and netsuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs for business owners because there's one thing that we all know business is about making money and it's about your bottom line and the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business the more profits you keep but these days everything is costing more supplies people shipping it squeezes your margins and i've been there juggling multiple systems for finance inventory you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show, 
Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. For 20 other people, it might not necessarily work for you because, you know, it, you know, there's all these factors. There's emotional mm-hmm. factors and there's motivational factors and relational factors and all that kind of stuff. So what you have to realize is that it's just about experimenting and figuring out 
your system because that's the only one that's going to work. Yeah. So I'd say those are the two two big myths. And then um, follow up to that. So you have two myths. What What is a practice that you see in in marketing that you wish would stop right away? <laughs> that you like the worst habits that you see people do. It could be from the business owner side. It could be from the the agency side. I'm just curious what what you hate. <laughs> uh, I hate when people have too many brands. So what I try to tell people is it's hard enough to make one brand work. And somebody's like, no, I have all these different ideas. So I need to brand each one. And that's like, okay, you're giving no, no attention to any of them. And they're all going to fail. Like no matter what, they're just going to fail. So I'd say not focusing on a single avenue or a mm-hmm. single brand is one of the bigger, biggest one. And then the, the second biggest one is probably thinking that it's the brand design's fault that you're not successful. So somebody might be like, oh, well, my, my logo's ugly. That's why people aren't buying my products. And it's like, no, that has, I, I, my original company was, I built on, I think, GeoCities and it made ten dollars to $15,000 a month. And I didn't know anything. So it was really ugly. But I was hustling and doing the work and publishing the content and it had nothing to do with the design that it was working. It just had to do that I was hustling and constantly posting content. So I think that's that's the other big one, that, that some magic designer is going to come out of the works and it's going to be beautiful and that's going to make your company successful. It doesn't. Branding matters. You know, it, It's a, a part of the sales process, but at the end of the day, if you're not doing the work, it's just, it's just impossible. It's just not going to work ever, like ever. <laughs> you got to realize that it's just about the work and it's about the time and it's about the getting things done forever that matters. That's why people are so – they get so mad at other entrepreneurs like, oh, well, this idiot, his stuff sucks and I, you know, I hate what he produces and blah, blah, blah. It's like he has 2 million subscribers, so who's yeah. winning? Yeah, no, it's true. No, it, it, you're you're 100 right. Um, okay, so that's that's good. That's good. I want to um, just to wrap this up. I want to go back to what you've gone through in terms of your entrepreneurial journey because this this podcast is not particularly meant for entrepreneurs, but I really do feel that a lot of things that entrepreneurs go through, I think people that work for companies should have gone through or should understand how to persevere like an entrepreneur would just because I think that somebody in a company, if it's a very large company, they may not experience the amount of stress and struggle that an entrepreneur would. But I think if they did, they would be farther along in their career. And that's just my personal opinion. So I do I do believe that there's something that comes out of something really, really good that comes out of building your own thing um, and either failing. I think you probably learn more if you fail or succeeding, obviously. Um, so to to segue, um, in your career, uh, your biggest challenge, what was what was it? It could have been something that it could have been like an impact on your personal life. It could have been like a, a business process or a, a milestone that you couldn't achieve, like something like that. Uh, for me, I mean, I had um, I have two sons. And they were born 10 months apart, which was hard. Mm-hmm. And then my my second son was colic for six months. And it's, it's kind of funny because if you haven't had kids, then then people are like, kids are so hard. And you're like, oh, I'm sure it's not that bad. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's so hard and it's so tiring. And, and so I think, you know, the struggle that I had always kind of relates back to energy. So you think like. You know, when you're in your 20s and you're getting started, you're always motivated. You always have energy and you always have time to get things done. 
And so I think, you know, if you're talking to young people, it's you are never going to have more energy than you have right now. So hustle because it's going to end when you hit 30. So how do you how do you maintain that, though? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. So how do you how do you keep going? Well, for, for this year, uh, well, just back to, to the big milestone was having kids because yeah. I, I had kids really close together. And then I uh, my second son is severely autistic. So he is nonverbal and he's seven. And so we've dealt with therapies and fights with schools, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just been hard. And so then and then not sleeping for years that that helps you. But back to energy, what I did was I, you know, this year I kind of made a big change. So I, I gave up alcohol on January 1st. Congratulations. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah, it was. Well, I think I was trying to think of what what could I do that could increase my energy uh, right now without changing that much. And so I, I'm like, oh, give up alcohol. I'll have more energy at night. I won't have any recovery period ever. And there you go. And so that kind of led me down the path to like, how do I get more energy? So then I, I started fasting three months ago. And now I don't eat 18 hours a day. So that was another energy, you know. That's, that's such a fitness thing, the, uh, the intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of went through. I'm like, okay, well, now I could, uh, you know, if I could use this discipline to get more energy, what else can I do? Yeah. And so I've got to implement all these things that are just energy focused. So then you get into nutrition and you get into sleep and you get into all these things. And, and you start to realize, like, you know, if you're not physically fit, then you can't expect anything else to work. You're not even in control of this one thing, your body, that you have any control over. Yeah. You know, it's the one thing you can change. So how do you, if you can't control your body, how do you build a business? How do you do your job? Anything, really? Yeah, you can't. Well, some people just have unlimited energy. Like my father-in-law. He, like, literally walks fast everywhere. He had had, uh, metastasized cancer in his back. You know, this was 20 years ago. He had a 5% chance of surviving. And he did. (laughs) <laughs> and he and he just keeps on moving fast through everything. It's just so Man, that's that, uh, that's crazy. That's, uh, yeah. Just knowing you know groups of these rich men essentially that that we were when we were in California we were kind of surrounded by you know these successful wealthy people. And what I started to realize was it's all about just energy and work. Yeah, and, you know it, it's my father. My father he's been for my entire life. He got up at four in the morning to go to work. And then he'd come home at six every day. And that was just his life for my entire life. Hmm. And and so I started to realize it's not just about, you know, there's no magic system or bullet or whatever that's going to make up for energy and the amount of work you do. So you need to figure out how to get those things. That's that's damn good advice because I don't think a lot of people take that um, as serious as they should. Uh, and. <laughs> And yeah. it's just numbers. You yeah. know, if you think about like, so I've been, I get up at like 4.30 every day and I try to get in the office by five and then I, because I never know what's going to happen in the afternoon because yeah. I have kids. Yeah. It might be, oh, you got running, you know, go to the baseball game or go pick them up from school or therapy or whatever it is. Uh, but I can control the first three, four hours of the morning. Yeah. And so if you say, okay, if I'm, if I get three hours extra of work in every day over the week, I'm getting 15 to 20 extra hours of work in yeah over the 40 hours so it's just uh if you if you ever look at how they get so much done it's like because they're just working (laughs) you can't make more time but you could you know you can properly use the time you have yeah 
Well, and there's like the Tim Ferriss book. I'm sure you read the yeah. four hour work week where he's like, I only work four hours a week. And it's like, fuck you, dude. You were a millionaire <laughs> already. Like you did not work four hours a week to become a millionaire. You became a millionaire. And now you work four hours a week. Like that's, there's this misconception of listening to, to Warren Buffett about financial advice. It's yes. Like, yeah. Oh, he's a billionaire that doesn't own a computer because he has a building full of MBAs like that. You can't compare your finances to that. He doesn't, he can't even relate to you anymore. <laughs> so why are you taking advice from him? No, that's good. You know? That's very good. And that's, that's valid too. Yeah. Yeah. Just hustle. There's no, you know, there's no magic thing that's going to make up for that. So it, it's hard because everybody wants to think that there's some magic bullet, like, Oh, it's just going to happen. And then I'm going to be rich and successful and happy and blah, blah. blah. It's like, no, you know, one, it's a constant thing, you know, and I, I, I think in terms of cycles. So like personally, I have, you know, just this thought in my mind of like every seven years, every cell in your body, you know, is reproduced, right? So if you think of yourself in terms of cycles, like a program, you know, I'm 36. So I'm in my, my fifth cycle. So, you know, you're coming up on the yeah. six cycle, seven cycle. And so, you you know, if you think in terms of this, how far have you achieved in each version of yourself, yeah. then it gives you some, some perception of, okay, are you successful or not? You know, yeah. but it's all a cycle. You're going to, you're going to fail. <laughs> Nobody likes to hear that, but you know, it's just, it's part of it. It is part of it. And I think that's what separates, right? It's people that fail a lot, but they, they're, they're still doing. That's... Well, I think if you, if you acknowledge it and acknowledge yeah. that it's just part of the process, then you don't get down on yourself so much because that kind of guilt yeah. will ruin your it'll ruin your energy which goes back to the energy point i think you made the one one thing you said earlier um life is long that's that's very very powerful it's, yeah, yeah. It's, well, people are, there's all the, the whole yolo movement where you're like oh you just gotta do it now and i'm gonna fuck everything up it's like no you get, you might live for another 50 years like, yeah Chill. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Take your time. You got, uh, well, well, not. But then there's the the other side of it where it's like you have people like I'm just gonna party in college. So not I'm take not your time in a bad way, but patience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, you know every you don't have to worry about the next thirty days because it, you know you got thirty years yeah. that you got to think of. And and again, I always relate back to fitness where it's like, yeah, you know, you could go to the gym and you could kill yourself trying to to hit new PRs all the time. But it's like, who gives a crap if you can lift five hundred pounds today if you're jacking up all your crap and in five years you could be in a wheelchair because you have effed up your joints so bad. Yeah. So so it's about you know longevity too. Where you're thinking like, yeah, I want to be in shape, but Am I just doing this because my ego requires me to be, you know, hardcore or yeah, something? or look a certain way or yeah. So yeah. well, I talked to a bunch of um, you know old bodybuilders like Fairfax Haxley is one of the guys that uh, made the original Arnold Expo, and he was talking about that. He's like, yeah, I was in the seventies. I was one of the big bodybuilder guys, big giants, and he's just like, I hurt every day. Like I'm in pain all the time. And I'm just like, well, that sucks. <laughs> like, well, you think, you know, these people are working all the time and then it's like, well, if you're going to be in pain all the time, that's, that's, that's no, no way, way to live. live. That's no yeah. way to live. All right. Um, 
Last last question I want to ask. I think this one is a good one, um, and you've kind of already covered it, but I'll ask it again. Uh, you could tell your twenty year old self one thing or things. What would it be? Uh, my mine is a little unique, but I'm sure a lot of people would say it. Don't get married until you're thirty. Like why? Why is that? That would solve everything. Well, I got married to my high school sweetheart. Oh, okay. And so I was with her from seventeen to twenty seven. And so I wasted 10 years, 10 prime years. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I would say. Don't get married until you're 30. <laughs> you don't know anything. You're, you're not even fully developed at that point. Just chill. You know, just take it easy. You don't have to rush into all this stuff, especially nowadays. I mean, there's so many things you could do into your 30s or just marry a 20-year-old if you're so concerned about yeah, having kids in your 30s. Anyways, just don't get married until you're 30. Did that, that, did that mess with your like your your career, your your life? To uh... Oh, God. When, when, I, when that happened, when I got divorced, I imploded. Like, everything fell apart. My entire perception of everything was just, just, it died. <laughs> like I died when that happened because I had this perception of structure and work and all these things that I kind of talk about now. It's a, it's a little looser than it used to be. But in my early 20s, I had this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow a business and sell it. I'm going to just I'm going to get married. I'm going to buy my property and that's going to work. And then I'm going to and it was very, you know, systemized. Yeah, and then yeah. when that happened and I realized what had happened, everything just went out the window. And so, you know, it, my religion was hurt. Uh, my all my my core principles were decimated like I just fell apart and so it took years to recover from that and you know I think only recently you know and that was well, I was 27 so that was 10 years ago yeah yeah only recently like okay I think I think I'm better now but <laughs> that's yeah it's uh that that's part of the failure part where you're just like yeah you know it's just part of the process so now I have a wife I love I have two kids, we have a house, we have all these things. Um, but I think, you know, at that point, my, my perception of, I could predict the future is gone. Yeah. So what it became now is what skills can you build that will help you, you know, live. And it has nothing to do with like, I'm going to get to this point because the, the points are, the goals are good. But if you have goals that are so strict that they, they're not flexible enough to adjust your life circumstances, then you're just going to, you know, you're push setting things. yourself up for failure. You, you, well, yeah. And when that failure happens, it's going to be hugely detrimental. Like it, it's like somebody who's riding on like this one sale. If I could just get this one sale and then everything will be fixed. And then that sale doesn't happen and you have no other plan. It's like, yeah, oh, crap. <laughs> that was everything. I don't know what to do next. That actually happened to me too. I, I worked for a startup after I went to college and I was trying to get the company sold for like a year. You know, I, I was the CFO. And so I was pushing to get the company sold and we had all these meetings and then and it didn't happen. And it was like, crap, I'm miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was betting everything on this and now it didn't happen. And what do I do now? And so, yeah. Um, that's good. That, that's, uh, that's good advice. That's really good advice. Hmm. But you need to get away from burn the ships. The whole burn the ships. It's like, you know what? That didn't even happen in history. They didn't burn ships. And on top of the fact, they could just build ships. That's what they did. 
you top down trees and build shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, it, you know, there's these sound bites in marketing that, that people just latch on to and then it just uh, gets rid of logic. And so avoid that. Avoid sexy marketing pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Not my sexy marketing pitches. But, Everybody but, else but the, the, the cheesy ones. The cheesy, well, the ones that don't last. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, you know, just take it with a grain of salt and realize that somebody's trying to sell you something, you know, just yeah. realize keep, that. Keep that in mind. Not smart. Um, okay. Uh, for people listening, where do you go? So you can either answer one or two or both. Um, either like a mentor that you listen to or learn from or somebody that you would go if, like somebody who you respect, like not like a... Not like a, you know, like, I don't want to name names, but there's some there's some people out there that are gurus that I'm not a huge fan of. So people that are really strong leaders that you look up to and they produce some content that you find or you'd suggest people should go check out or um, like a book or a podcast or something. Um, you know, you can plug your own book, of course, but other other stuff that uh, that you go to learn from. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of a scatterbrain follower so i don't actually follow anybody specific I, I put on ted talks and i let them run i have a pinterest board that i i created and again it's never it's never anybody specific I, everything i do is based on what people have produced in the past yeah it has it's not i'm not following other people's principles because who knows what they're saying when they say this is my principle um so i go by people's actions you know, it's kind of, it's how I judge people in general because mm -hmm. the, everybody's, you know, you have these people who are awesome salespeople and they'll sell you on a concept because it's beneficial for them and who, you know, who knows what's actually good for. So I try to rely on stuff they've done. So it's all project based. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, is there anything that I didn't cover that, uh, that you wanted to, to speak about? We can, um, I don't know. I, I work with a lot of nonprofits. So my wife, she has special with the side of mom is what it's called. And we advocate for special needs inclusion. So the the message is basically that if you include people who are different, so autism or Down syndrome or uh, cere uh, cerebral palsy, then the kids or the community will benefit in turn. So it's a, um, that's a, perspective that's a really nice cause. That's a, that's a good cause. Yeah, well, it's 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 beneficial for everybody. So I try not to be because a lot of charities are like, give me money, and I don't know what they do with the money. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's like I did that with everything. So my magazine, Womo uh, magazine, work out more often. Um, it used to be called Mad Fit magazine, which is very hardcore, kind of harsh, masculine looking magazine. And so now what we've done, and and you can see the cover here is just my example of it. Where it's light, bright, yeah, you know, it has a, a consistent message. It's blue. It's inviting. So everything I do, I'm trying to be more inclusive. Like, hey, let's just, you know, before I was discriminating against half the population of the planet. Let's bring that side in. You know, <laughs> that's that's not good. Yeah. Uh, so and, and same thing for my, the businesses I work with, where I say, hey, you know, how can you include everyone yeah. into your messaging? Yeah. No, that's good. Um, and then if people want to connect with you, uh, can they? Uh, and if they can, where can they reach you? Yeah, so my uh, I have my, my personal website is markdegrass.com. And then I have my uh, my primary website is megamadwebsites.com. Um, I'm online. I, you know, 
do some stuff. I disappear from social media. It's not, it's not good, but I'll, I'll disappear for like months at a time because I'm busy and I'm an introvert. So I don't actually like doing it. But if they want to connect, they'll, they'll <laughs> but if they want website. to connect. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook or just look me up. I'm, I'm all over the place. Awesome. So thanks again for joining us, Mark on the sales versus marketing podcast. If you want more sales versus marketing, go to www.roioverload.com and you can check out this podcast and more on YouTube or wherever you can download podcasts. So now time for my favorite part of the podcast, Scott's Thoughts, where we go into a little bit of an explanation as to what Mark spoke about and why it's so important for your business and for your success. So Mark spoke about a couple different things, and they all, they're all they all great uh, little knowledge nuggets, but what really stood out to me was Mark's overemphasis on companies creating quality content and making noise in this space. But most importantly, he was focused on just getting companies started. And I see this quite a bit, all the way up to uh, Fortune 500 and large enterprise where their true content creation and content marketing strategy is not on par and can be rivaled by some very small agile companies in terms of the quality and uh, volume of content that I've seen created. So this is interesting for two reasons. First of all, if you are a marketer and you are working for a large company and you're more focused on uh, PR events and you're more focused on uh, perhaps traditional uh, outbound techniques and you're not as heavily focused on uh, on actual social media content or even uh, writing uh, significant content on your website and obviously optimizing that content with keywords for SEO uh, to help drive traffic to your website. Uh, at, any, at any level of a business, this is extremely important and this is obviously a very uh, small tool in the marketer's arsenal to be able to uh, successfully create quality content and scale that content while maintaining uh, while maintaining quality. That's important. So obviously you're trying to create this quality content, but what what Mark had alluded to and what he had discussed was not only just creating garbage content, creating good quality content, creating educational content, and repeatedly creating that content. And this is the way that he has seen businesses, and this is what he actually delivers to businesses. He has seen businesses be very successful just through uh, through focusing on creating this quality content. And he also, he drives a really good point home. This is something that you can't always pay someone outside your firm to do. So obviously, if you're a larger organization, you'll have these resources in-house. Uh, but if you are a small to mid-size and you are hiring a marketing firm to complete this work for you, just know that they don't have the same perspective as somebody internal to your company would and that authenticity uh, and that perspective on on your business on your industry on your niche is so important uh it's something that really can't be replicated uh for any significant period of time so the takeaway with this is that if you do have or if you are embarking with a significant content marketing strategy which you should be um don't put out garbage, put out quality, and you have to find a way to maintain that regardless of whether or not it's internal. Uh, if it's a smaller company, maybe it's the executive team that's putting this out or helping create it, or it's hiring somebody who understands uh, the brand, uh, the voice, the mission of the company intimately, and somebody also who is passionate about this. So that is something that obviously um, 
obviously you can you can bring from within your own company and it's something that you really have to be careful about because it's something that you can't really teach over you can't teach passion and you can't and what he's what he's found through working with different types of companies is that it is truly the people that are most passionate uh, about their brand about their company uh, if they have a hand in creating this content then it he has found that it's been the most successful so that's a great point and on a more entrepreneurial level um if you are a small business starting out which those are those are the majority of the companies uh, that mark sells into so if you're a small business starting out this is even more integral to get your name out there and you have the opportunity because you are starting fresh to do things right from the get-go so keep that in mind and do be authentic and do be trustworthy and make sure that your content is educational and make sure that your content is some is something that the people your potential clients really want to read and can really help drive their business and answer their problems and solve their pain points because that's going to lend cadence to obviously all your sales efforts another thing that mark brought up which is really important outside the context of of marketing and this is just um life and and being uh being a really strong professional in general is he spoke about managing energy and being aware of energy and one one thing that he he gave up he gave up one of his vices recently he gave up drinking which he he attributed to increased energy levels and that's one way to do it there's many ways to do it and there's many ways that uh people unfortunately fail and they don't really take uh, consideration of their body when it comes to uh, managing their their stress levels and managing their energy levels and really just understanding uh, the cadence of their body and Mark is in tune with this because he has worked in the fitness industry so he's very in tune with his body and he's obviously worked with a group of individuals that are also but this is a lesson that very much uh, trans transposes outside of fitness and is something that any professional has to do uh, in our go 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 society you know in our hustle 24/7 365 no rest type of mentality or society that we find ourselves in with a lot of uh, young professionals and young entrepreneurs, it's very important to understand how to maintain that pace uh, for a long term as opposed to just a short term because like he mentioned, life is long and we have to find a way to maintain energy levels throughout the entirety of our career. And if we don't find a way to manage that early on and we burn out, uh, that's going to be detrimental to obviously our success and our, our personal health and well-being. So Find out what works best for you. Find out uh, if there's vices that aren't so healthy that are inhibiting your professional growth and understand that they may not be today, but as you continue to live your life and as you continue to, to grow, life is long and you want to maintain those energy levels uh, in perpetuity because there is no stopping. There's, there's always something else to do. There's always another milestone to achieve. Um, so those are two great, uh, two great lessons from Mark. Um, but anyways, I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of Sales vs. Marketing. Um, as always, uh, if you haven't already, hit like, hit subscribe. This, uh, this podcast is available wherever you can download podcasts, and it's also available on YouTube. And always leave some feedback. Uh, let me know if you like the episode. Let me know if you like the content. And let me know what you'd like to hear about next time. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sales vs. Marketing Podcast. Brought to you by ROI Overload. Delivering strategy, technology, and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally.
I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, 
drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 